Welcome to the Tate Wheeler Podcast, a podcast about inspiration, perspective, and purpose. Let's do this. You are worth more than your darkness. I met this week's guest in September of 2019. He was at the darkest time in his life. He grew up a pastor's kid in North Dakota. He met his wife, Melissa, at the University of North Dakota. North Dakota is where he started his career. It's where he bought his first home. It's where he opened his motorcycle business while he worked at the Harley-Davidson dealership. It's where he met his closest friends, and it's where he and his wife had their three beautiful daughters. A few months prior to meeting Ryan, he and Melissa started over in Minnesota to be closer to Melissa's family. Ryan felt like he left everything, and it spiraled into a deep depression. It took him to an extremely dark place, and he was seeking help but did not find relief. The day I met him, it was at his last resort. It was a church group. We shared a table together at a group called Freedom. I learned a little about Ryan our first week, but that day was not enough for him, and he decided that was the week he was going to end his life. Thankfully, God had other plans, and over the next few months, Ryan battled his way to becoming a revived man. Timing is everything in life, and I know the entire world is focused on the coronavirus, but we cannot forget about all the people that were battling mental health before this pandemic hit. It's not time to forget about those individuals now. We need to support those people, even if they're forced to be isolated. Before we get in, all the great things that have happened since that September day we met, let's remember that mental health and mental illness is real. Here are some quick stats. One in five adults in the U.S. experience mental illness each year. One in six youth experience mental health disorders. And suicide is the second leading cause of death for those ages 10 to 34. Ryan, take me back to that week when you were at your lowest and how God showed up through someone else that week. And thankfully, you did not add to that mind-blowing statistic. Yes, Tate, that was a bad week. That was, I don't mean a bad week, because some people have bad weeks. This was a bad, bad, bad week. Um, And fortunately, it wasn't an even worse week. Um, I was going to take my life. I had my suicide planned out. Um, It's something that I thought about. My depression was so bad. I didn't feel like there's any hope in my life. I wasn't happy, and I didn't foresee ever being happy ever again. Um, so I had it planned out. I had a suicide note written. My wife was going back to North Dakota that week um, to see our family. I figured that would be the best time I could do this. So she can be with my family. She'd get the news, you know, and um, she wouldn't be here right away, you know. So it was just, um, like I said, it was a bad time. And so I emailed her my suicide letter, and I was going to unbuckle my seatbelt. Um, I was going to drive uh, back to our in-law's house in Minneapolis. I was in Minneapolis, and they live in Apple Valley. And I have the, the median, the intersection where I was going to do it. I was going to just punch the gas 100 miles an hour as fast as I get going um, and hit the intersection, the median, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully fly from the vehicle and um, take my life. Man. I, every time you t- I've, you've told me that story, and I've heard it before, but every time I just have that moment, that heart check. And I know that you were at your lowest, but what happened on your way back that day that like that something crazy happened? 
Yeah, my father called me. Um, I my suicide didn't not or did not happen because, you know, um, I couldn't pull the trigger or I, you know, I couldn't do this like that. It wasn't me that stopped my suicide. I had it planned out, mm-hmm. and my dad called. And my dad doesn't usually call me that often, you know, especially in the middle during the day. He's he's got a, a big job with BNSF, and um, so he's usually super busy. And you know, we talk you know often, but not not like that. And he called me. And for some reason, it was just natural for me to pick up, you know, because I was still, you know, a, a few miles from what I wanted to do this, and there was a lot racing through my head. Um, and he couldn't remember why he called me. Mm. And we just started talking. And next thing you know, I was in my in-laws' driveway. And you know, I was kind of mad that I didn't have the opportunity to, to follow through on what I had planned to do. And my wife was coming home the next day. Um, so it just it, it kind of stopped what was happening. And then from there, my life just inch by inch, or at least we say brick by brick, my foundation um, slowly started to build up. And by the grace of God, my father called that day and saved my life. Mm. And when we say inch by inch, brick by brick, I mean, it was done that way. Yeah. How did you feel like you were able to let that light shine brighter than the darkness that you were in? Because I know it wasn't easy for you. I mean, that was, I mean, I know your story, but that, that was your low, I, yeah. I had just met you, but you came back the next week. You haven't sh- you didn't share this till way later. Yeah, this but... was probably I don't think many people knew this story till weeks after we met and, and through mm-hmm. our freedom class. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go back a little bit, how how it all started is we lived in North Dakota, um, had a tremendous job with Harley, and you know we had a house up in, in Carrington, North Dakota, and had a lot of good friends and brothers up there, and we had my family there. Um, we had our family, our beautiful little girls. My wife had a good job, mm-hmm. and man, I just I wasn't happy. I was so miserable, and it you know obviously the the some people that I worked for contributed to that. Some outside sources did, um, and we just you could feel the depression coming on. I don't really know what pinpointed the depression, mm-hmm. but I always could feel things getting worse and worse and worse. And if I wasn't happy, I'd work a little bit more, make more money because mm-hmm. hey, I can buy this, buy that to make my happiness, and I'd work harder, be away from the family more. And then I would just, you know, work more again, make a little bit more money. Um, like I said, I had some, the, the leadership in my life then was terrible. Um, you know, some maybe some outside influences weren't very good, but my depression just started getting really, really bad. Um, we left Harley, started our own business, figured that would be better. And it was for a short period of time, but again, that was a, a Band-Aid basically effect on my depression. And I would admit I was depressed. I, I would just figure that I wasn't happy because I wasn't maybe successful enough. And I could have had a million dollars and probably been depressed because... Of, of my state of mind. Mm-hmm. And it got so bad, my wife, um, you know, said, let's go down to Minneapolis, stay with my parents, let's get away, kind of a fresh start, and maybe that'll help, you know, we can refocus on on your career and stuff and, and figure out what you want to do. So we moved down here, and that's when it got bad. That's when I lost my identity. I wanted to, to be in the motorcycle industry, I wanted to potentially, you know, when I was with Harley, maybe advance crew there, or get our brick and mortar shop open. We put a lot of money and time into a nice shop mm-hmm. in Carrington, left all that behind, left my motorcycle culture behind, um, and I figured there was no hope for me. My life mm-hmm. was over. I had no career. I had no um, purpose, I guess, when you, when you talk about, you know, because a lot of people, their work means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do, and like I said, I started blaming it all on my wife. I, you know, started, she made me come down to Minneapolis, so it was her fault. So my marriage was deteriorating. Um, I was isolating myself, and that just slowly built up. Like I said, it was like same thing of getting out of it, getting into it was a step-by-step and it was a a time-consuming process and everything made it worse and to the point where it was just finally, you know what, Mm -hmm. it's time to end it. 
and there was that that turning point from that time that your father called to you know I look at you now and you're a completely changed man so let's talk about the steps that took you from that darkest moment you know all those all those things where you lost your identity you lost mm-hmm. your purpose you lost your worth what things and action items did it take <laughs> i mean there's so many stories <laughs> i can there's so many directions i can go because i remember Four or five weeks into, you know, meeting every Tuesday night, you wore a collared shirt for the first time. <laughs> and I was like, Woo-hoo. I, I looked at you and I was like, nice shirt, man. And you literally couldn't even fathom that you're, you're like, I don't even, like, yeah. what do I do with my arms? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how I even buttoned it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, grew up in the motorcycle culture. So for the last 10 years, I've worn boots, black jeans, black shirts, and that was it. You know, and that was that was my life, and mm-hmm. it was all vanilla cycles gear, black stuff, and that's the way it was. So yeah, I put on a button shirt. That was a that was a moment of like unveiling a new person. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, that after my dad called that day, like I said, it was a kind of a slow thing. So we got back. My wife got back down to Minneapolis and um, kept pushing me and pushing me to go to doctors. And I would go see a doctor, and you know, doctors are great. There's the, the scientific medical side of things is tremendous. I think we all need that. But as depressed, my state of mind, I hated it. They were mm-hmm. worthless. They're not helping. They could try medication. I hated it. It wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife was hounding me about this stuff. And my mother-in-law was hounding me about it. And it was just, it was getting overwhelming. And it's made me more mad. And, mm-hmm. and I was, I had anger problems. And so she's wanted to go to this church program. And I said, fine, I'll go just to get her off my back. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't, didn't believe in it. I mean, that it was going to help because at this point in time, nothing ever helped. And I grew up a PK. So I grew up in the church. Pastor's um, kid. Yep, pastor's kid. I, I grew up PK, which is pastor's kid, in the church. So, I mean, I knew there was some foundation there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was easy for me to go to church. Not like I was going mm-hmm. in there and think the building's going to burn down. <laughs> um, but we went there, and that was the start of how my life changed because it really started changing my perspective. Mm-hmm. Worldly things versus godly things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, like I said, it, it was a battle every day. We went, what, two hours a night, one night a week. Mm-hmm. Um and it was instrumental to my, you know, to my help. And a lot of people out of the church, Pastor Greg, Pastor Kirk, um, meet with them and stuff. And that's where things started to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that going back to that brick by brick, because in the intro, I was talking about timing is everything. And you took a step. And if anyone that, you know, is listening and and maybe is in a dark place, it's you have to take a step. You, you have to take a step of faith, and I'm not going to assume that everyone listening is is a Christian, but things happen for a reason, and I and I know that seeing you, the man you are now compared to where you were, is is unbelievable, and it it was brick by brick, step by step. You texted me the other the other week, and you bought your first pair of blue jeans. Like, not only did I see you in a collared shirt, now I'm seeing you in blue jeans, and I knew, I'm like, oh, this guy, you are a new man. Like, you are a new man. Yeah, I uh, like I said, I don't think I've worn jeans since the Jeanco days. <laughs> what was that like the mid nineties? <laughs> yeah, probably our middle school days. Yeah, yeah, say. wide bell bottoms. Woo. Yeah, but yeah, no, that was like I said, and I, I grew up in the church, but I I strayed so far away from faith and Christianity and God that it was it wasn't a part of my life. It wasn't something I'd ever thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting back in the church, like I said, and it wasn't like I went in there and I was just overnight Christian and born again. No, that was not the way it worked for me. Like it was a long, grueling process, and mm-hmm. a, a lot of um, time I spent reading the Bible a little bit, just because you know that helped me quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And, 
Um, I think I told you the reference, like I said, I was, you know, what better way to try to get inspiration for or figure things out or going through some crisis like depression than reading the Bible, which is God was a perfect person. He's the only perfect person ever Jesus, walked the planet yep. Earth. Yep, Jesus was. And so I was like, well, I, maybe I'll read some of that because yeah. he had it figured out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and like I said, it just started changing my perspective on things of the worldly possessions and things I was worried about and depressed about were so you know meaningless. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, how could I value my life based off those things? About what other people think or yeah, about the status fin- or yeah. what you drive or yeah, finances and what, what am I going to do for a career? I was worried about you know a, running a motorcycle business or even like Vanilla Cycles now. We're successful, but I was worried about you know what it's going to be like in twenty years. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, you got to maybe have to be cognizant of that type of stuff. But that was like I was getting depressed over certain things, and mm-hmm. now thinking back, it's like man. I don't even know if I've got 20 years on this earth, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I started just cutting it down, taking it day by day. Um, it was a grueling process, and mm-hmm. it was not all steps forward. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of steps back, and um, like I said, it was brick by brick. It was not, I didn't build this house overnight. I didn't, you know, change my life overnight. It's it's, it's still a constant work. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, think I'm even close to being um, completed or even healthy yet. Heck, we're all works in progress, man. Yeah. It's it's every single one of us, If if we think that we we're, we got it all figured out. I mean, life is going to humble us. I mean, what, think about the coronavirus and the, you know, the times right now, it's life will humble you and it's time to figure out what's really important. Speaking of that, you know, you own super, super well-known motorcycle company, Vanilla Cycles, huge following on social media. So give them a shout out if you, if you, if you're into motorcycles, Uh, you also have a racing team and you Mm -hmm. told me a story recently about a rider that left me super inspired, and they even yeah. even um, shared some some words with you that really lifted you up. Can you share that story with us? It did. When I was, you know, um, going through depression, one thing that helped is I was just trying to lean on on people that, um, you know, maybe could have been through what I've been through or certain circumstances. But we have a, a race team, um, Vanel Cycles Racing, and um, it's a little team, but we're pretty successful, pretty fast. And the guy that runs it for us is named Kevin Anderson. Um, and his best friend is one of the fastest motorcycle racers to ever walk the face of the earth. He was a, a, a grand national champion, which is American Flat Tracks uh, is the, the greatest racing plan. It's like the NASCAR of motorcycle racing. Um, and he, he was a champion. And his name is Brad the Bullet Baker. And we got to know him pretty well, um, you know, through Kevin. And, you know, he's helped our racing program out tremendously now. Um, but back in 2018, I think it was, was the X Games here in Minneapolis he was racing and this is what he did for a living this was his job this was his passion this was when i say like my purpose in life a motorcycle business i could go out and find a different job mm-hmm. where this this is how he made his living this is what he did like he mm-hmm. was a motorcycle racer um prominent industry he got in a terrible wreck and was paralyzed from his chest down mm. and you know you 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 think about what we go through in life and he lost it all i mean i didn't commit suicide but he literally you know, his life was lost, mm-hmm. you know, because of his tragic accident and just talking to him like that and seeing his inspiration and his mindset, somebody that's, he attacks it. Like he attacked the race, the racetrack. I mean, he hit it 110%. Like I'm going out there and I'm going to win this, you know, this paralysis diagnosis. So that way I can live life, you know, to mm-hmm. full advantage. And, um, it just makes you just realize that, man, my, the, the meaningless things I was going through, like he, mm-hmm. I'm praying about my future and careers and mm-hmm. if we're going to have a successful business and he's praying to walk again. 
and you know he's has been such an inspiration to me. I don't think I've even told him this, you know, um, but yeah, just just looking at his life and some of his conversations, and um, it's just crazy how fragile life can be, but yet how you look at it, you know, through which lens are you can look at it, and seeing how I looked at it and where he looked at it was like wow, and his situation was way worse than mine. Perspective, yeah, tremendous. Yeah, it's uh, so powerful because you have somebody that was living out their dream and their passion and that's what they lived for, you know, for, for, for racing, but he is paralyzed from the chest down and that was taken from him, what his passion, but Mm -hmm. he's got, I mean, you share with me, super inspiring, very upbeat, positive attitude, and just a perfect example for all of us right now is we're so focused and consumed by what we cannot do and we're not remembering all the things we can do. Yeah. And and that's, you know, being a light, being being an inspiration for our family, for our friends, um, to to really make an impact. And that mm-hmm. almost leads me perfectly into how you've shifted into I see you light up every time you talk about this this newfound passion. Um, and really how it's transformed you because you, you, you found a, a greater purpose to, I'm such a belief, a believer in serving a purpose greater than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you talk about that old Ryan, um, that never wore blue jeans or button shirts, yeah. um, yeah. uh, that was focused on material things. And I, yeah. I, I had some of that in my past. I was so consumed by what others thought. And when you take that shift and you turn your passions in life, to making a difference and, and helping others. It, it not only helps you, your family, but it helps everybody around you. And um, it reinforces your, your faith and it reinforces mm-hmm. what you do. So talk to us about your next steps. Um, not only, obviously, you still have your, your, your motorcycle company yep. and that's not going away, but your next steps that yeah. you're, you're working towards. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool because Vanilla Cycles is, is kind of what pays the bills. Um, it's a still passion, but... That has kind of come more of like a, a day-to-day job. I've took on this other passion um, that I kind of got to know through the church a little bit, and that's prison ministry. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I never anticipated um, doing anything like this in my entire life before. But you know, I had an opportunity to go over to the juvenile detention center. I think it was Dakota County, and meet with some juveniles. And you know, we were there with some other ladies and some other people. You know, and it was just kind of a you know a real kind of a church environment mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously you see me i'm a, i'm i'm motorcycle through and through tattoos you know on the, the facial hair and don't look don't look like anything that you <laughs> see at a church uh but the i connected with the with the youth and it's just i instantly went home and like started researching like how you know mm-hmm. juvenile ministry and prison ministry and bought books and it, i have a purpose now of of how can i help people you know i went through depression and people in, in prison might get depressed too you know like that, but it's it, it just I'm trying to give back now. People help me get through my, um, you know, deep, dark times. And, you know, whether they're fighting um, depression in prison or anxiety or maybe it's just, you know, how to how to live a structured life or mm-hmm. to get out of their, you know, their ways of, of what put them in there. And, you know, it's it's just been great. Um, and obviously going in through the prison ministries, the foundations on the Bible and stuff. And um, like I said, just, just teaching them and showing them, um, like I said, viewing through that lens, you know, which, which lens are you going to look th- things through? And um, I truly feel you look at, the lens through the, through Christianity, through the Bible, um, whether you believe it or not. And 
like I said, I'm not anywhere near perfect, but just starting to view it through that lens mm-hmm. um, really changes your perspective on life. It takes a lot of faith not to have faith. Yeah, true. Because yeah. if you're not believing in something, you know what are you know what are you believing in? Yeah, and and that's that's such a. Yeah. A, a good perspective. I love that you found that because I yeah. see you light up every time you talk about it. Like yeah. it's like a purpose. We're really excited to, uh, and I say we because my wife is like my partner, you know, and she mm-hmm. just she's so encouraging and like so she should have left me a long time ago for for what I put her through and, and everything. Um, you know, I mean, I know I know you wouldn't if I I know from knowing Melissa like she she deserves a lot of credit and sticking yeah. by you through those dark times because that was. Man, I mean, you're here just as much, you know, that that your father calling one thing, but you not going through and, and deciding to do it again. Yeah. She stood by you through all of that. Yep. If I mean, Trust me, like, I, I blamed her for coming down here, mm-hmm. and it almost led to my death and my suicide, but look at the other side of it. Yeah. Look what I've come through, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I, you know, almost maybe needed to, to get that low and hit that depth, mm-hmm. Um just so I can come on the other side and realize that I can never go back there again. Mm-hmm. I have to do whatever it takes not to go back there again. And it's a daily, it's a daily process. But part of that healing is finding a purpose and giving back. And that's, mm-hmm. like I said, and I never thought it'd be prison ministries, but I guess my image, mm-hmm. you know, um, has opened up a door in there and I have a way to connect with the people in there. And like I said, it's just, it's just great. I mean, just seeing them light up mm-hmm. by having somebody they can connect with mm-hmm. is very meaningful. Yeah. It's huge. So speaking to those individuals that are in a dark place and battling mental health and having a hard time pulling themselves out of it, what would you say to them? Yeah. Um, you know, that's tough because, like I said, depression isn't something that you you realize that you have. I fought it. I never. I would never admit I had depression until mm-hmm. I started getting better. And up, up until the, even the point where I was going to commit suicide – I didn't feel depressed. I just felt like there's no life for me. I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. But I would never admit I was depressed. But I was truly, really depressed. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, I would say, get a Bible. Mm-hmm. That is a, a tremendous thing for me. Um, like I said, I'm I'm far from perfect, and I I'm probably a, a tr- you know, a, one of the greatest sinners still walking the face of the earth. But just looking at that and and changing the way I think and, um, you know, reading the Bible helped tremendously. And then second, and you have to have support. Mm-hmm. You're, there's no way you can do this on your own. Mm-hmm. I have I reached out and you know I met with a lot of people. Um, you know our freedom group, Mark Leonard, our the guy that led our table. I've connected with him so many times, and there's no way I would be here uh, to this point or, or feeling this good mm-hmm. and relieved from some of that stuff if it wasn't for seeking help. And I think that's hard to do because you hit depression, you want to just shelter. You want to you know become this introvert. You don't want to talk to people. I hated it. I want to sit in the bedroom. And try to sleep as much as I could. I was sucking down NyQuil just so I could try to get more sleep so I didn't have to deal with people. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I was doing everything I could to avoid people, and that made it worse. And you have to get out of that. You've got to seek help. You know, Like I said, even my wife, I hated talking to her. But um, you know, once I started feeling better, that was a, a major, major resource for me. It was just finding people. And now that I'm growing a little bit more through it, finally starting to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and step by step, brick by brick, you're here and, man, a, a new man, not only a new man, but, I mean, I see you with your kids and I see you with your wife and I see your blue relationships jeans. and blue <laughs> jeans, button-up shirts, man. Button-up shirts. Oh, I yeah. love it. I absolutely love it. And for anyone listening, um, yeah. I think there's a couple things that I'd hope that you take from this. One is if you need help, 
there you have to you have to take a step in faith to yeah. ask for help. And I think that's a huge word in faith because you know what you have to believe you have to have faith that reaching out is going to help because I did not have mm-hmm. faith. I felt like nothing would help. Nothing was going to help. And that's why I was going to take my life. And mm-hmm. except by the grace of God, my father called me that day and my plans got foiled. But how, I mean, I'm so blessed that I did. And then I took that leap of faith. Like, I'm just going to go to this church group. I had, you know, and I think it was the second week I told you I wasn't going to go back. After yeah. the first week, I wasn't going to go back. I didn't open up mo- about my depression for weeks. But then all of a sudden, I started feeling just this weird, small little nutshell inside me that says, I just feel just a little bit better than I used to. What yeah. is it? The yeah. only thing I changed in my life was freedom. Mm-hmm. And then I had that faith. If I go back, maybe I'll get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. So step one, ask for help. Step out. Have faith that there's people that want you here, that you're worth it, that you're that you're not alone. And I, I think that's so big for people. And then really mm-hmm. step two is action, right? It's that first step is is action by seeking help. But you have to you have to know that there's we're all going to have good days and bad days, um, challenging days and 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 great moments of celebration but it's shifting your perspective to understand that we're here to serve a purpose you have value and you're serving a purpose and i'm so proud of you um to call you a close friend now because you're serving a purpose that is is great and i see you share your story and i see other people just lift i i I experienced that firsthand with you of how helping and and hearing how you came out of it it reinforced not only my faith but just my everything that i believe about how there is so much good yeah if you seek it i know it's 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 a time in in our culture right now where there's a lot of negativity but there is so much good yep. if you seek it and look for it so that would be my second big takeaway point from Ryan's story and i I um, appreciate you so much for hopping yeah. on the podcast. No, thank you. Like I said, if we can if we can help anybody out, and like I said, mental health is is a real thing. No it's question, a, it's a real thing. No question. So um, I'll make sure I include some resources in the in the description of today's episode. And I appreciate you all hopping on and spending some time with us. Can't wait to connect with you again soon. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast, everybody. I appreciate you taking time to listen. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a five-star review and share it with a friend.